Welcome to the Morty Vicar podcast from B&A Church in Bristol with James Stevenson and Wayne Massey. We're about to embark upon a teaching series on Matthew's Gospel in the weekly service. And this episode of Morty Vicar is an introduction to Matthew's Gospel and an explanation as to why we're following it and what we hope God will do through it. So we encourage you to listen through it all. There's some good stuff in there. We hope you'll enjoy it. And it begins with me asking Wayne the question, why are we studying this book? I think the starting point is um, is how we understand scripture. Uh, and so so the Bible is for us is um, is a living and active book. Um, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter four says the word of God, meaning scripture, is living and active. So there's a, it has a life to it um, sharper than any two edged sword. A two edged sword was something they would have used in the day to really when you got close when you got close in a battle with your two-edged sword it was a small sword that you could really kind of stab in um piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the attentions of the heart so our understanding is that something about scripture is living and active and that when we read it it's like being in close combat with somebody who basically can kind of like get right in and at your heart um, and so so that's our starting point um we're not um so in the muslim faith they believe that the quran is the is how god has incarnated himself in the world today we believe the incarnation the word of god is jesus but we believe that alongside that alongside um father son and holy spirit that the scriptures have been given to us as as living and active they have a they have a life to them and that when we read scripture something happens um to us what's really interesting about the hebrews chapter four is that bit comes just as the writer was talking about how we can enter into the very rest of god you want to enter into God's rest and know his salvation, read the scriptures, uh, the writer says. And so, so it's our starting point on what, on what the Bible is, something alive that when we read, it opens up our heart, reveals ourselves and reveals God to us and, and takes us with the spirit on a journey of change. Our aim um, at BNA is to put the Bible basically into everyone's hands to say that actually Bible reading is something that we do as individuals, as families and households and in our little church. Um, it, it's, um, it's one of our it, it's something that we're really committed to and that whenever we are together, there's a sense of like um, whether we're talking, we're talking about what the Bible, what God has been saying to us from the Bible. When we gather, one of the things that we will regularly do in our households and in our little churches is open up the Bible and um, and allow it to speak to us and to shape and to mould us. So things like we we um, commend uh, everybody uh, the Bible in one year um, and say we think um, do the Bible in one year are some Bible reading um, uh, pattern that allows you to be reading scripture and learning from scripture. So, so that's our starting point is that it's the Bible is not something you wait to engage with until you come to church on Sunday or in COVID click yeah. on youtube on whenever it is you click on tube and on youtube and then there's so then the other thing that we've been doing in recent years is we have we've been teaching whole books so the bible is a collection of books uh, and quite often what happens is people um, in your job and my job will divide their time up into you know terms uh, and they might do um they might um teach uh, a book for a term but they won't get the whole way through a book or they'll teach a theme for a term um or, or the other thing that happens more in the in, in the high church um and traditional church tradition is they follow what's called the lecturing which are readings that were set um originally in our in our tradition by thomas cranmer um and then sort of slightly been adapted and, and give you readings from the old testament the new testament and the psalms every day um 
couple of reasons. So we don't do the lecturing on Sundays because uh, the lecturing um, is actually a year round daily thing and uh, was set when people were biblically literate. So we are doing the lecturing. We call it Bible in one year or whatever your reading pattern is. Yeah. So people say, oh, you guys don't follow the lecturing. Um, actually, we're closer to the original I- intent of it than, say, waiting on Sundays. The reason we don't do themes is, it's, I'm not saying they're a bad thing, and lots of people do do it. Um, it's just that I, I'm aware it allows me to cherry pick uh, and sometimes to think about what it is I might want to say to you all. Um, and what oh, yeah. that- At my worst in the past, I've definitely picked books that, that um, have, um, have got a message across. <laughs> I, I can think of one i can think of one occasion i can think of one occasion that you and i were involved in that and 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 it, it doesn't feel good in the heart so to sit to sit underneath a a, a book um for a longer period of time means that you're sitting underneath it doesn't it yeah and so we've done in the last few years we've done the book of acts in a year we've done john's gospel in the uh a year we've done genesis in a year um, and now we're just about to start Matthew. And we don't know how long Matthew will take, mainly because of COVID and we're kind of playing it by ear. But the joy of doing it that way is we cannot duck issues. So Genesis, if you were with us over the last 12 months, was the most wonderful book because um, all of human life is in Genesis and all of human failings and weaknesses are in Genesis and all sorts of hot potato topics are in Genesis. And actually you have to pass through them. And you have to teach on them and you have to apply the gospel to them because they're in the Bible. And so doing a whole book uh, allows us, it means that you and I have and our preachers have to do that. It also there was there was we've got to tell everyone there was one note in last year's um, overall plan where um, Sodom and Gomorrah appeared on a half term Sunday. And we said that that must not be in an all age service. Um, uh, if you say about Sodom and Gomorrah, look it up. <laughs> so, so we won't we won't duck the difficult passages, but we might make sure they appear in appropriate settings. And then back to where I started, and then I'm going to ask you a question: Is if I teach a whole book, uh, and I'm encouraging you, the listener, to be a Bible reader at home, hopefully, I am teaching you to travel through a whole book and to ask questions and to learn. So thinking about when you, you know, if somebody goes to university to study theology, they don't study all the books of the um, the Bible because they'd still, they'd be at university 10 years later. They'll study a few of the Gospels, some of the epistles, they'll study some of the genres from the Old Testament. But that then gives them the tool to be able to go and read something else. So, um, so I, you know, so, so if you've, if you've travelled, say, with us through Genesis, actually, you've got the tools to travel through Exodus. Uh, and the other early books are, are even actually yeah. interesting enough. You've got the tools to travel through Kings and Chronicles and one and two Samuel, the history books. Um, yeah. So, so that's why that's why we, we we do that. Has that made any sense? That has made sense. Thanks, Wayne. Excellent. So we're about to. So this Sunday, I've I've um, I, I've recorded the sermon. Uh, we're about to start a series on Matthew, and so we're going to travel through Matthew for we're saying kind of as long as it takes. Um, James, why are we going from Genesis, first book of the Old Testament, to Matthew, first book of the New Testament? Um, so I think some of that is about balance um, within our diet. So we three years ago, we began a series in Acts and for a year, and then we looked at John, and then we looked at Genesis. So I, I think we were conscious that having been in Genesis for a year, we wanted to come into the New Testament. So we were debating what to do 
Um, and I think it would be fair to say that 1 Corinthians and Luke and, and Matthew were in the mix. But we were, I think we were trying to ask the questions um, off the back of what you've just been saying around how do we equip people to live um, the life of a disciple in, in their daily lives. And I think the themes that most immediately jump out of Matthew speak into the current setting. So the first theme is um, that of there being a, um, a, we live in a world where people want the symptoms of the kingdom of God, but they don't want the king of the kingdom of God. So many of our friends, um, particularly in this right on city of Bristol, um, will want themes of, of justice and equality and um, uh, care for the marginalised. And those are all themes which are spoken of in Matthew's gospel. And so you could put sections of Matthew's gospel in front of uh, your friends who are not Christians and, and they would they would thoroughly agree with it. But but actually what we know as Christians is that those those um, those noble aims are only um, achievable um, within the gift of the king. So it is the, the, the relationship with the king that brings about a transformation on the inside that makes the symptoms of the kingdom possible um, in sustainable um, and beautiful and repeatable patterns. Um, so a, an individual might be able to, to uh, who, who's not a believer, might be able to live a, a life that has echoes of the kingdom, but it's not something that they would be able to um, sustain for long periods of time and not something that they'd be able to repeat in other people's lives. This is the gift of the king, that it's sustainable and it's repeatable in others' lives. So that's the first thing, a kingdom without a king. And, and I think we want to tease that out for people, the importance um, though we might agree with our friends about um, what's important, that community is important, that justice is important. Actually, there is a disagreement with them. Um, uh, and that disagreement is the identity of Jesus. Now, there are four Gospels, Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke and John. So, yeah. so thinking about the kingdom without a king theme, the Gospels each have their own kind of emphasis. So why Matthew and not the other three? Oh, Wayne, this is like theology and ethics of the New Testament paper from university all over again. And you probably paid attention. <laughs> John Stott said that um, if you think of um, the the length, um, the depth, the breadth and the height of the love of Jesus, um, those are expressed um, in in the four gospels so the length is in the history of Matthew the depth in the suffering of Mark the breadth in the in the uh, invitation of Luke's gospel and the height um, in in the um, in the beauty um, of of John's gospel where where we get the revelation of the son of, of God and, and the seven I am sayings um, and and the seven signs so so uh, they, they all speak into the the um, they, and witness to the the truth of Jesus in different ways and um, Mark brings us more into the immediacy of the of the spiritual warfare and the and the, the suffering um, of Jesus and um, Luke brings us into the the invitation and, and uh, you know the outsiders who who come in um, uh, the prodigal son isn't an isolated incident and and, um, and and John gives us an understanding of of the identity of Jesus in, in a different way 
and Matthew has these five blocks of teaching that are supposed to be the the replacing um, and the renewing of the um, of the the five books of Moses, the the five books of the Torah, um, and, and and they come in in chapters five to seven, chapter ten, thirteen, eighteen, and twenty four to twenty five, and 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 this is this is Matthew placing Jesus as the new Moses, the one who is the king. Um, of this new kingdom and 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 so those blocks of teaching are um uh, teachings of, about the kingdom of god and so it gives us more material to grapple with and then stories in between and miracles in between that are the implications of that kingdom being made real there we go okay that's very good so, so matthew's the one who's thinking about what the kingdom looks like and the nature of the king matthew's a good way in um i'm gonna ask another question so there's something as well about the the uh, all the gospels are written around the same situation but there's something when you talk about the depth there's something about the historical situation for matthew's readership who might say primarily have been jewish yes what is happening for them that we think potentially has a parallel for church in the west yes so um there are i'm glad you said yes (laughs) there, there are i think it's something like 67 old testament quotations in matthew um, and and so you, you get this constant um, refrain of um, uh, so it might be for, as it might be fulfilled uh, or to fulfill what was written. Um, and, and then you have a quote from the Old Testament. And so Matthew is is clearly uh, the most Jewish in his um, his orientation of the uh, of the gospel writers. Um and I think we understand that what Matthew is doing is he is trying to um, present a, a call to holiness and discipleship under Jesus for new Christians or for you know families of, of Christians who who um, who would have grandparents who were not Christians because this is this is still new. So you know if I, I'm, I'm a child being brought up in a Christian home in in um in judah judea um in the first century and i'm i'm reading matthew's gospel it's likely that my grandparents were alive and adults before jesus was crucified and the church began so that it's just important to understand that um uh what was the rest of the question i can't remember i got slightly lost um the uh uh, what's the context matthew can be dated in different places so it can be dated in the in the 50s and 60s or in in the 70s and ad and it depends on your reading of the relationship between matthew's gospel and mark's gospel is it that matthew has read and uh, mark's gospel and is including that material in order to validate the, the the witness of mark's gospel or is it that um, the uh, the apostles' teaching that we hear in Acts, um, to which they were all devoted, um, has become so important in an oral culture that actually um, stories are sustained even in different settings. And Chinese whispers uh, w- would not have been a concept that would have been allowed in those cultures. And um, so, wherever you date it, there is a sense in which this Christian community is struggling to understand what it means. Um, to live a vital life in the context of um, differentiation with um, their Jewish ancestors and contemporaries and within the context of Roman rule that either has or is about to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. And so um, 
Yes. So, so what is happening? So what Matthew is doing is he's for, in his case, we think primarily a Jewish audience who are experiencing. So, so the temple falls, um, uh, um, about AD 70, isn't it? And, um, and Jerusalem is, is, is raised to the ground because the Romans pretty much get fed up with. So the Jews are kind of a difficult people to rule over, um, mainly because they have this concept of there being one God. And so therefore they can't live with this idea of being ruled over by people who are like, hey, there are loads of gods, let's have our gods and your God, which is kind of how the Romans did stuff. So the Jews are quite problematic if you want to, to colonise them that way. And in the end, they have a bit of, you know, the Romans basically get fed up, um, destroy the temple and, uh, rip and burn the city. Uh, and um, and modern day Judaism, as we kind of know it, in terms of the synagogue base um, and 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 diaspora spread across the Mediterranean, kind of that, that's the beginning bit of that. So what's really interesting is the growth of the church goes with a kind of um, a spread of a, a new way of being a Jew. Um, and Matthew teach, is teaching his audience. So back to your person who's reading it, whose grandparents were alive before Jesus, that actually what they are doing is is a fulfillment of the faith that went before. And so whilst everything's up in the air and everything's changed, this is part of the same thing, which is why he. So even when he doesn't say the word fulfill, you know, when um, if you if you listen to this before Sunday and then you listen to Sunday, you'll see why I know this. But when Jesus goes, says to John the Baptist, you know, when John the Baptist says, who are you? He, you know, Jesus basically says, you know, the blind see, lepers are healed and the dead are raised to life. Kingdom is proclaimed. To he, he basically cites a whole load of Old Testament stuff about the Messiah and says, you know, says, John, what do you think? And this whole sense of that actually in this new way where um, this new this this new cultural moment that has come about. Um, because of Jesus, but also alongside the, the sacking of the temple and the city, that this is the way of faith, even though it looks very different to what it might have been two generations before. And yeah. I think that's partly where we think we are in the Western world at the moment. Yes. So I'm, 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 I'm conscious of time. We probably need to bring this into land, don't we? Um, but um, I, I think probably if we look back to our grandparents, they would have existed in a in a world where. Uh, and attending church meant listening to somebody preaching for about 10 minutes and essentially um, offering a recap of Christian teaching from the Gospels and an invitation for the faithful to go out and improvise in the context of a broadly Christian culture. Now, as we know, the rise of secularism uh, in the, the 20th century made that a very difficult playing field for them to continue trying to play that game. Now we find ourselves in a situation where Christianity is increasingly marginalised. And um, the, if you like, the, the onset of um, COVID and, as you described it, post-Christian liberalism uh, in, and its aggressive approach towards Christianity um, means that we are having to think about what it means for us to live as disciples of Jesus Christ in our homes. And, and that's that's been brought on further by um, the, the, the temporary removal of the option to worship together on Sundays. And, and so what we talked about in terms of homeschooling highlighted that. And so we are now having to think about what it means for us to establish Christian rhythms and practices in our and in the context of friendships. It's probably something that they were wrestling with 
in the context of the emergence of Christianity into its generation around this gospel. So there, there are principles in this gospel. There'll be practices in this gospel that we are going to listen to. And I hope that we'll listen to them with our ears and minds and hearts open um, to discover something from a from a people who, whilst in a completely different cultural set, setting, were wrestling with some similar questions to the ones that we're wrestling with today. So join us in Matthew. We're going to learn about the king and we're going to learn about his kingdom. And then I think crucially, we're going to learn to live together in a world. It's not that in a world that doesn't get us, but actually doesn't even like us. So that was Morty Vicar. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, um, do share it with somebody else, perhaps your little church or a friend that you're walking alongside Jesus with um, and and talk about it. And um, we look forward to traveling with you.